Welcome to Inside the Agency. I'm your host, Michelle Govan. I'm your co-host, Nicole Shawcross. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. We're almost at the weekend. We're almost there. <laughs> almost there. <laughs> we have Christy Will Wolf with us today, who is one of my favorite people I've known probably, what, 20 years? I think we've kind of been... Yeah, I think it's it's definitely probably about 20 years, right? Yeah. Crazy, crazy. We're both moms. We're both driven women. <laughs> Christy's been... Uh, directing pretty much every movie the week in town, I think for the last, what, five years, 10 years? How, how many years have you been directing now? 10 years. 10, 10 years. That's what I thought. Yeah, 10 years. I think I did my first one about 11 years ago. Yeah, maybe. Like my first feature. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your start, like how you started. I know you created a theater. Wasn't it Beaumont Studios way back in the day? Yeah, so I created the Beaumont Studios um, with Jude Kuzner back in the day. But before that, like I, so I was acting, mm-hmm. and but as I was acting, I was what I didn't know at the time was that I was already directing. Like in, in my high school, which was a long time ago, but graduating high school, I did a movie of all the graduates that played like you know a decade later and twenty years later of our friend because our friend had passed away. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting back then the idea of being a director didn't exist. So I was just going to be an actress, but I was an actress who loved to write and I loved to direct and make movies. And it wasn't until I was in um, college and undergrad in, um, in Charleston and my professor said to me, there was the big stage play. And of course I was, I was going to audition and be in it. And she was like, you know, what about directing, like co-directing with me? And I had never thought of it. And that was the beginning of being like, oh, I like this. And then I think, uh, which we've talked about before, Michelle, is I think um, as an actor, my biggest thing is I love being on stage, but as soon as I switched over to television and film, I was, I think I was a great actress, but what I didn't like was the process of seeing myself after. And honestly, I had meltdowns. Like I just became so aware of how I looked and suddenly my cheeks were too big and like there was, everything was wrong with myself. And I felt that I was starting to go down a hole. And that's when I really, my first film dysfunction is really about that. My first short film, which really kind of launched my career. Not because I kind of wrote what I knew and I, and I switched it and I was like, okay, I get just as much satisfaction being behind the camera and I and I love this process of being a storyteller and that's when I knew I think I was always just supposed to be a director and a writer rather than an actor. But let's just say I think a lot of people especially women were very tough on ourselves you are stunning so for you to be critical of your cheeks or nose or whatever that was standing out I, I think it's so sad that we all are like that now that I'm in my you know tipping towards 50 ugh, uh, you know I'm looking at that too I think I have the smoother over right now on zoom just to make me look less lined you know <laughs> yeah so, I mean it, it's it's sad to think that actors are so critical on their looks or their bodies. And I think what I love is now that television is becoming more real, people can be who they are and accept who they are and be the character actors they are. Yeah. So, But I, I love that you spun the acting into the studio, into directing, writing. I mean, you're a true inspiration. Oh, so thanks. I yeah. just... I would like to know like some of your adventures along the way. Like obviously the acting turned into directing, went into writing. Now, were you writing from the start or did that kind of come later? 
So, no, I was writing. So my first short film I wrote, I, and I was back and forth between, like, I was going to school in the States, and then I moved from the Charleston, South Carolina, I moved down to LA and went to Playhouse West. So I was in school with James Franco and all those guys. And um, what was I doing? I was jumping back and forth between as an actor here in Vancouver, because that was the heyday. Well, I guess it's back now it's consistently the heyday. But back then I was like, woo, there's work. So I came up here and I worked and got an apartment and then I flew back down. And I knew that I wanted to be a filmmaker, but I felt that I wasn't really being taken seriously because I was also modeling, right? Like I was doing you know, bathing suit, you know, editorials. And I felt like people would look at that and they'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like she's not a, she can't be a director, writer. And they just weren't taking me seriously. Although these men like to have me on their arms and take me to parties and stuff. So I kind of wiggled my way through. Interestingly, my first thing was that there's a show called On the Lot that Zach Lipinski, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He won. Mm -hmm. And now he's like kind of our golden boy here. I was the runner up. So I got my O-1 visa because I was a Canadian runner up on it. So they gave me the, my O-1. They, hi, they got, took him for that show. That was Spielberg's show. And then from that, um, I worked for Peter Berg. I think I got a job then working for Peter Berg, uh, the writer, director, and producer. And I thought that that was awesome. So I was his assistant. And then I turned more into his personal assistant, <laughs> like managed his house and his dogs and went to doggy court for him and during his breakups. <laughs> and then I realized I wasn't going to get anywhere from there. Like I just could feel that I wasn't moving because I was like, how do I get on set? And really it was when Kirk Shaw was big back here. And I was like, I need no. to get in with that guy. Anyways, I jumped over to Paula Abdul and became head of development for her and uh, created a show for her. Uh, called Hey Paula. My friend Corey was at Bravo. So I actually helped sell that show. And I was her date to the Emmys that year with all of the, uh, with sat next to Ryan and everything. Cause she, I don't know. She, she, I love her, but she was a little nutty back then. Um, and then I was, so when I was working for her and I was hounding Kirk Shaw, and this is really where the change happened for me. And I moved into starting the beginning of a professional career and I started hounding Kirk Shaw and I was like, hey, to his assistant, just sign, sending blind emails, which is something I think that you probably did, Michelle. And I'd be oh, like, yeah. cold right? calls, blind emails, look at us, look at me, look at the agency, look at the actors. Yeah, that was old school days. It's not as common anymore, but still works sometimes. You got to keep going, got to hustle. You have been a hustler. Just Tena tenacious. Talk. It was you like were tenacious back yeah. then more. So then I, I emailed him and I remember his, I kept saying his assistant, I was like, hey, would really like to talk with Kirk, set up a meeting with Kirk, this and that. Is he coming down to LA? I would love to go out with him. And she's like, he's not looking for a new assistant. And I think it was Laura, it was Devi. It was probably Devi who was assistant then, Devi Singh, who's now a producer, but like he's not looking for a new assistant. And I remember there was a barrage of emails, like essentially leave us alone, stop contacting my boss. And then finally it just hit, I think I read because... That was like, he was huge back then. He was doing so many shows like Painkiller yeah. Jane. And, and I remember being like, he had kids. And I was like, ooh, this is my ticket. So oh. I was like, hey. And I was like, I don't think I mentioned, but I'm head of development for Paula Abdul. I'd be so happy to give you some tickets for your children to American Idol, which were really hard to get back then, uh, if you're coming to LA. And again, I would love to meet you. And boom, right away. Oh, I would love those tickets. I'll be in LA on a Friday. Meet Amazing. me at one of the hotels. So I go to the hotel. I meet with him. And honestly, I could feel it then. It was like, who, who is this girl? Like, what, she thinks she's like some filmmaker? Like, because I didn't fit the whatever we were supposed to be looking like. And um, 
And then I just <laughs> sat through all the meetings. And the last meeting was this, these guys, Dean and Jim, and they were doing a movie, Blonde and Blonder, with Kevin and John Farley, Pam Anderson, Denise Richards. Yeah. yeah. And they were going to be shooting up in Vancouver. And then all these guys didn't know who I was. So they just thought I was close with Kirk. And I was like, oh, well, I have a place in Vancouver. I have this, that. So I exchanged emails with them or phone number. I don't even, yeah, we guess we had email. We were emailing. And then that night they were going to some big club and they invited me along, all of them. So there was a big gaggle of like all these male producers and me. And do I want to come? And I can't remember the name of the club, but I remember being like, oh my gosh, this club's the hottest club. And I was kind of a little surprised. Like, how are these guys going to get in? It was like Paris Hilton days, right? So we get there and sure enough, they get turned away and they didn't have a table. And I was like, this is it. So I go up to the door. I was like, give me a second. Let me go. Paul Abdul. Paul yeah, Abdul. That's it's what a, I did. It's a magic name. <laughs> I was like, listen, I am Paul Abdul's assistant. I work for her. If you will just do anything, give them the most expensive table. They will buy whatever, but just, you'll make me look amazing if you let them all in. And all of a sudden he looks over and then he waves them in and they, and they all came in and got it. And that was the beginning of it. And then I just started rolling off. And then Kirk never actually knew that I got hired for Blonde and Blonder. And it wasn't until Vancouver, like I flew up, those guys hired me. I came up and I was shooting the EPK. So I got hired to do the making of EPK. Um, and then they had to give me a producer credit, I think because of tax reasons. <laughs> and Kirk comes on the set and he looks at me and he's like, oh, what are you doing here? And he was like, well, you are tenacious. And then I just kept ending up on every movie. And then it was a Patrick Swayze movie with Tim Curry and them. And again, then I was a co-producer and making the EPK. And then literally I just kept bumping along from there until I did my first feature. This is the thing. You That's didn't a fabulous it, story. Yeah. <laughs> you just didn't take no as an answer. That is one of the biggest things yeah. I promote. If you hear a no, go a different route, go around it. That's what we talked about. Like a door closes, open a window, find an air duct, any which way to get something to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. great way too, to find the opportunities and just, you know, navigate your way through that. That's great. And, you know, I always like, so in that time, so I became like the, that early career, like, and those people are still a lot of my close friends, those actors that I met then. And they all like slightly single in LA, I have Chris Kattan and Chris Kattan was in Christmas in Wonderland. I met Patrick Swayze who became a super, like he became a tight friend and he was just amazing. I'm so supportive. And he really was instrumental in helping me move my first feature through. And I actually went to meetings for him for a ghost too. Like, cause everybody wanted a piece of him. And I was like, why am I coming to these meetings with you? And he goes, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Um, and his wife was amazing. Like, he was just so, but all those actors, I took everybody I met that I formed relationships with and then just rolled into that. So before I directed my first one, I think, oh, then I co-produced Hollywood and Wine and I developed that. And that was with David Spade, uh, Kevin and John Farley, Norm MacDonald, Chris Parnell. Uh, it was a whole SNL splash. And I actually acted in that one too. Yeah. Um, but this is the thing, you're Canadian, but you had your visa. So you were in the States. And when you're making those big contacts in the States. It really, you know, you used those and, and created this amazing network for yourself, which is amazing. Yeah. So, talking about hustling people, get your hustle on. Listen to Christy. <laughs> no Back kidding. in the day, my hustle isn't as strong anymore. Well, hustle's different now, but people yeah, are well. trying to hustle you now. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Different, different. Tables have turned, right? Well, I'm, I'm still like, I'm now in this where I'm in now. So like I did that, did those indies and 
those did well, like slightly single boy toy. And those kind of launch padded me into the MOWs when I moved up here and became a mom. And now I've been trying to wiggle into, um, television. Like I have not had the opportunity to direct episodic and I was just contacted by this woman who's putting together a list. And apparently according to IMDB, I have directed more movies than any other female director ever. It's time to cross over to TV. We need you in TV. Well, as we know right now is definitely the time to seize that moment. They want women directors. So, but I'm kind of behind the, I'm kind of behind the eight ball on it a little bit. Like I find that now I feel probably like, I feel like I'm honestly just so old that I've missed, like, I don't have the hustle to do the episodic, like what I did in my early career, because mm-hmm. in my early career, like the idea of getting an agent, like my slightly single in LA was one of the first acquisitions for Netflix in the rom-com. And if that happened now as a female director, I'd get picked up by an agent. I'd have all yes. these big doors opening, but back then, nobody cared. And then boy toy went to Lionsgate. And again, I feel like it was a big accomplishment back then. Like it was, I was looking to Jane Champion. I had like a couple female directors, but there weren't many directors doing what I was doing, I think. And uh, no doors were opening except for the doors I was pushing through to do, which was fine because I wasn't looking for any handouts or anything like that. But now I find to break into episodic or get these bigger ones, I have to go back and do that hustle. But honestly, it's too late in my life, like a little bit. Like I don't have time to go down. I can't, I'm not going to live in LA again. I got kids no. and I can't How do old are your kids now? Uh, nine and a half and five and a half. I love that you bring them to set. You're yes. constantly posting fantastic pictures with them, especially right now all on Christmas movies. So they're all with a Christmas theme behind them, having a blast with all your stars. It's fantastic. I mean, let's spin into that. Like, what do you look for in an actor? Because I know obviously casting handles the casting, but you're going to approve who's coming onto your movie. So what do you look for? I look for an actor who, one, obviously you have to be, well prepared and I think with actors I always say they either have it or they're trying to have it and when they have it they just honestly can live truthfully like they they have to be great memorizers so those lines are in them but it's it's people that I can give an adjustment to and they get it right away like and they get it and I think that just maybe um, it does come with experience you know just working that craft uh obviously personality like I'll tell you anybody who's bratty um like this business is a hard one. And what I've come to realize is from crew to cast, we all talk, especially up in Canada, right? We're such a small community that it, there's no, like crew is essentially treated like cast in the sense that we're all close. So anybody who's bratty or gets an attitude, you, you have leaving. So like, you know what I mean? Like if someone's actors, you go through stuff. So I'm always like, I understand the process, but if you come to set and you're just kind of a punk, um, or you're disrespectful to people, I won't work with you again. Like, and, and the people I do, they're just people that don't come back. And luckily I haven't had a lot of those experiences, but I know like a handful of people. And the one time that I've given it a second chance, it was still kind of this, you know, attitude. And it's unfortunate because, you know, they were okay. But I look for people who are fun. I like actors that are dynamic. I like people that, um, can do drama and comedy and 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 it comes with alts like they like chris russell's really become my muse and i've just realized i'll give him a note and he just takes it and does it also we talk about this all the time be humble check your ego at the door right nicole like that mm-hmm. we're constantly mentioning that because it definitely 
it creates a persona on set and it trickles down as well. So coming in, you know, a lot of our actors that we've talked to have talked about how from the top down, you know, keep check the ego, be humble. And it trickles down throughout the whole crew and you feel great. Yeah. Even from casting, like, you know, casting rooms, we joke about how assistants are listening. If someone's being egotistical in the casting room, it's going to go to casting. And then if you do get hired and then let's say you're bad mouthing someone on set and some crew hears that, that's going to go straight to you. It's going to go down the line and that's it. You've, why? And And even in prep, like the prep, if you're being difficult with the production coordinator. Wardrobe. Wardrobe. (laughs) All of it, like what actors I think forget is that it's all a conversation piece. And then it's literally like, oof, they're like, they're already I'm like, oh God. And then our first date is like, okay, this person's going to be difficult. We got to think about this. Like, and you're already getting the reputation of being difficult. If it, because a lot of us just work together a lot. So we're like, it's always a rare occurrence. But luckily, honestly, up in Vancouver, it it's really doesn't happen that often now. Like our actors are so seasoned and so good. And we have such a great pool that that's happening less and less. And, um, and then also as a director, I find it's really for me to make sure I get to know someone. And then often, sometimes if I get to know them, like I have a really great actress friend that I'm so close with, but I've had to tell her, I'm like, you're a piece of work. And now she is aware of how she behaves. And now it's also just her personality too. And I'm like, okay, now we have so-so she's going to, Everybody know. And then I even make a joke of it when she comes on and she loves that too. Um, But I I really like to get to know my actors. And I encourage actors to be open too, to get to know your director and your producers and your, and your ADs, you know? Yeah. Be friendly, create a family, especially on set. And why don't we spin off into that? Because let's just talk about set life right now. The new protocols, Christy. How is it going? You've managed to start filming quite early on after lockdown ended. And I'm so proud that you have been leading <laughs> saying, look, we can do this. How is it feeling for you? Honestly, it's not that bad. It's just, it's, it's militant in the sense that we have to follow protocol for the company that I work with a lot. And I produce on for this company too. We, um, he, my LA producer hired, um, Iridian, uh, which is a big medical company. And they opened a lot of the corporations here and a lot of the big restaurants and they've been great. So we literally, I have a team of three doctors and they're on call at all time. And in prep, I do a call with all the actors, all the crew, everybody can ask their questions. You know, we have ours, I think next Monday with our doctors and essentially to track what's going on with the virus here in Canada right now and in BC. But yeah, for me personally, like it's masks, everyone stays two meters apart, but it's not possible at all times. So you're going to cross. There's a lot of trust, right? Like you have to trust that mm-hmm. people aren't going out and partying at, um, you know, casinos and on the weekend, like you're being, especially actors and the performers, there's a big trust bubble there to know that you're just really taking care of yourselves on the weekends. Um, for me personally with the mask, um, I think I'm going to go old school and get a blow horn for this one because I lost my voice, which I haven't had in like 20 years because talking through the mask was so difficult. It's muffled. So, <laughs> it's muffled. No one can understand oh, no. you. No. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm like, just go two meters back and drop it. What are you saying? Um, but I think I'm going to get a, like a little bit of this next one takes the pace in a lot of the forest. So I think I'm going to get an old school little horn. Not that I'm screaming at people, but so I don't have to stress my voice so much. 
Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's all the producers and production companies in town. Well, the one, the one that I work with has been very serious with it. We have signage everywhere. We have hand sanitizing stations everywhere. Everyone wears a mask. Um, and everyone knows it's really nothing to mess with, right? You just have to, um, no one wants to get sick. You don't want to get somebody sick and you don't want to get sick. So. And you definitely don't want to, like you said, being responsible on your off hours and you don't want to shut down a production either. That would be awful. Yes. Actors have a responsibility right now for us to keep the film industry going. We have to be responsible on our off days because if one actor makes a slip and it spreads through film, we're toast again. I just don't want to see us go through lockdown again or get film shut down again. I actually heard filming was not shut down. It's just, we couldn't get the insurance behind it and there was no protocol. So they just decided to stop filming so they could restructure and come back. I just didn't think it would take this long. And we don't have COVID insurance right now too. No, I know it's all producers. So this is a risk. Yeah, it's all producers. So there's a lot of trust. So I think a lot of production companies too, like for people trying to get their first movie, like as a director, it's not going to happen right now because producers are like, I think hiring people they trust to be like, okay, who's going to lead my ship? Cause I need a tight ship that makes sure I don't sink because of anything falters, you know, there's so much to worry about. Well, that's why Nicole and I were talking about how we don't want our clients taking uh, low budget work that they found on their own. You know, sometimes new developmental actors are encouraged by coaches to find their own work. It's like all non-union work, unless it's represented by an agency or something, a big production house, we're concerned about protocols and their safety. So it's a new world, right? Mm -hmm. It is a new world. And I find each production company, because when the last movie that I did, it was almost like a little town, a gossip town, because there was all the little movies and WorkSafe BC and UBCP and DGC, all the unions were going to all the sets. And then it started, the rumor mill started happening like, Ooh, this set's doing that. Oh, that set's doing this and that. And it really became like, you know what? Each set, it's its own house. And there's different rules in the house. As long as everyone's being safe and, um, really being safe and following protocol, we're all going to do things a little, because I know some some companies uh, were shooting long lenses and keeping their actors two meters apart within all their performances. Um, on my particular movie, my leads decided on their own that they had their trust bubble. They were going to do it. We t- consulted with our doctors. So then I actually could shoot them close, you know, and then Fabulous. my daughter was the young ones. We all were together all the time anyways. So we chose to, but I know there was a lot of, you know, everybody was kind of criticizing everybody. I wasn't criticizing anyone, but people I know were looking at me and be like, Hey, but at the same time, I was like, I'm creating entertainment and I'm being paid to do a job. And we are, so if we can do it safely, then then that that's okay. And we've been greenlit to do it, but, um, but some people aren't comfortable yet to make movies like that. Like they want to still, I don't know if that's going to happen now. People are starting to inch closer, but we're definitely performing long lenses. So actors are staying two meters apart. Well, especially when they're taking couples, right? A lot of the leads yeah. of movie of the weeks are looking for real couples. Yeah. I think the other thing actors have to watch is watch what photos you post on Instagram. A lot of actors are taking set photos because they want memories, but everybody's taking off their masks and huddling together for a quick photo of like 12 or 20 people. Well, guess what? That's where we're also getting in trouble, right? It's nice to have the memories. Just don't post them if you're going to take that 30 second photo because it looks like you're not staying two meters apart. 
Yeah. Yeah. I know I posted some and we would like, you can always see my masks are dropped. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then on the last one we had, um, one actor who was, you know, in his seventies. So he always wore his mask. Um, and then the younger ones, well, they were just in close pocket. Well, well, that's what I said. Everyone was in their bubble. We call it a bubble. So if you're in your bubble, then you can stick in your bubble and you can be within, you don't have to follow the two meter rule, but it was literally about five people. So yeah. Yeah. But it's a lot, it's a lot to think of and I'm going into this next movie and I'm literally using the same lead that I had in the last one because I've been, he's been in the same bubble with my same crew, everyone. And there's a lot of, uh, I haven't finished casting, but I think there's going to be a lot of repeat casting. People yeah. I like just to keep it safer. I don't know. Yeah. You trust them. It's yeah. all about trust. Yeah. I know that we've been talking with you being a writer and being a director and creating a lot of your own content and work. Do you find it's great for actors to get creative in that way as well? I do. Right. Like I feel because you just never know the, what they're going to, they can write something and then they're shooting it. And then, then all of a sudden they're putting it in a festival and they're getting recognized and boom, all of a sudden they're winning awards and they've just launched their own career. Like I think that for actors and anybody, any, all of us, we have to take your, you have to be your own advocate and you have to create the work for yourself if you're not getting it. So I always say definitely um, definitely. I, I don't think there's anything that's bad that can come of that only good. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We always, I know we warn actors just of being careful with the content sometimes just to make sure that they're comfortable with the content and they know where the, what the footage is going to look like and be positive further down the road when they hit the big time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. If they, if they do some fun YouTube videos that they're completely embarrassed about and now they've gone viral and now they're older about to do a big series thinking, hmm, maybe I should have made it. It's amazing what comes up after when someone becomes a superstar. It's like those maybe movies that got shuffled to start becoming <laughs> available. There's, well, in have- per- there's in perpetuity contracts you signed when you were in 1819 to be like a, you know, a spokesperson for something or like a poster child for something. I've had that with clients 10 years down the road. Those posters wind up back on buses. One was for like Caprice nightclub. Oh man. And this client was huge on USA network on two big series. And there it is her face going by in a bus 10 years later because she signed an in perpetuity contract from when she was like 18. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm good friends with Lacey Chabert, who's now like, you know, a big Hallmark star, star, but she, we have this script that I've been writing for years and years, like, like, well, 10 years, her and I've been talking about it, but there's this very almost the piano-esque type scene where it's like nudity and like, I was like full frontal and I was like, and I want Bush, I want the whole thing. And it's just how it is in the script, how it's written in this, uh, in this movie. And she, she's like, Chrissy, you don't understand. I cannot do it. She was like, it's going to be everywhere. And she was like, kind of what you just said, like just stuff that creeps up. She was like stuff from what I did when I was earlier, then, which was nothing too, just like some bikini thing or some Maxim magazine. That's yeah, Maxim. where all the girls did it. Maxim magazine. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, and I can never live that down. Like forever. I'm always going to see those images. So she's like, I'm not doing it. I can't do that scene. Rewrite that scene. And of course I'm like, I can't rewrite that scene. It's like a great scene. 
Uh, That's a neat spinoff. Like, how do you feel about women and nudity on set? I always say, hey, look, if it's if it's not gratuitous and it's important to the feature, normally feature, obviously, movie mm-hmm. weeks, we're not dealing with nudity. But, you know, HBO, some of the more exciting showcase, things like that, that are a bit more bold. Outlander. Their, You've been watching yeah. Outlander? <laughs> I, you know what? I actually had a girl test and was second choice for Outlander. So I'm always, when I lose a show or lose a role, I'm always like, I'm boycotting the show. Like, I oh, yeah. No. Ooh, that Jamie on the show. That Jamie. Do you watch it, Nicole? No, but I, my my brother's girlfriend tells me a lot about the show. Oh, you got to see it just for this guy, Jamie. He's so okay, hot. fine. I'll start okay, yeah. Things like Game of Thrones. Like how I always tell my girls, look, it, it's per the project. If we feel it's going to help you and it's part of the script and it's not gratuitous and obviously you can get someone very comfortable and have a very closed set, which now pretty much all sets are small and pretty much closed due to COVID. How do you feel about nudity? I'm just curious as a female. I'm the same as you. As long as it's not gratuitous, although in comedy, sometimes it is. And, um, I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm actually fine with it. Like I don't, uh, I think it's all of an actor is comfortable and they get the joke and we all know what we're making a joke of in the comedy spectrum. Then I think it's, then it works. Like what I, I the times that I don't think I'd be comfortable with it and look, I've never crossed it cause I don't write it is uh, just gratuitous. Like to write something. Yeah. To get a mail off of that subjective, then I don't like it. But if it's just, if it works and especially in art house pieces and stuff like Jane Champion, I always think like some of those nude, like an outlander, I, I, I don't have any issues with it at all, actually. No, you bring up a good point because comedy things like Judd Apatow, he always have. Yeah. Now he has men full frontal crying. You yeah. know, you got to look at some of those scenes. Uh, old movie like Good Luck Chuck. There was a lot that was done here in Vancouver. I remember Will running down the street naked. His wife comes up. He's like, Hi, yes. Hey, honey. <laughs> yes. Like, so funny. Yeah. But again, yeah. it's about content and where it sits with that. I think the other thing I, I really respect in you is I think you and I are two of the women I know that have really not taken being a mother secondary to the job. Like we both give it all. We give it our all to our job. We give it all to our kids. I mean, when my daughter was small, I was very young entrepreneur and I was at like mommy and me or something on a headset trying to negotiate some commercial while my kids screaming, falling down a slide. You know, I've played Barbies while negotiating a deal. I've baked cookies while negotiating a deal. I mean, I just want other women to know you can have it all. It is a lot. I'm very tired. (laughs) You can have it all. Yeah. How's your experience been? Um, It's been, I... Luckily, I haven't known, like my, my girl's father left when my nine-year-old was, I don't know, two or three, like young. So I've always been on my own just with them. I say my nanny is my co-parent. She's been with me. She's since your housewife? No, she's my housewife. Mm-hmm. So I pay her, but she, luckily, she helps me a lot. So I don't ever feel guilty anymore. I did when I, when I, when they were they're still young, but my five-year-old when was a baby and I literally had like nursing her on set, like, and I had my doula and, you know, I'd uh, have the doula on set off in the trailer and then they'd come in and pull Mirabelle out and bring her in and I could breastfeed her like at three months old. So thank God those days are done because that was, (laughs) it was so exhausting. And I remember doing this movie, um, 
her infidelity, I think it was one of them. And it was a thriller and the night shoots and I go back and luckily my producer, it's the same company that I work with now all the time, Tim Johnson. He was like, do you want to, do you want to do the movie? It would. And it wasn't in my contract to give me a trailer, to give me a hotel room close to set. None of that was part of my money. It, he just did it. And he's just always been so supportive. And like, I always tell him when, sometimes what a, he's a very quirky individual, but like, I always get so emotional in them because people are like, you do so many movies with him. Like why? And I'm like, cause this man has been loyal to me. Like he's had your back too. Oh my God. He's had yeah. my back. Um, so now it's a bit easier in the sense that they're older. So I'm not as sleep deprived. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just definitely sets fine. making you sleep deprived now. <laughs> that's that making me deprived. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I like, I, yeah, just like you, it's no other way. Right. I do what I love. I'm so lucky to have a job that I love. Mm-hmm. I, like, you know what? I make movies for a living. Like how lucky am I? I always have to say that like my boyfriend, he's like, you know, I was over there the other day and he's working away doing his business stuff. And it's like, what are you doing over there? And I guess he could see my mouth moving and my eyes because I was writing a scene. He goes, did you just write a scene? And I was like, yeah, I did. And he goes, I can't believe that's your job. And I'm like, I know, I can't believe it's my job either. It's just awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's incredible. I, I'm just so happy to see you thrive. Like I said, I think we first met when I, I think I was like 22 or something. It was a long time ago. Yeah. So, to see where we were then, where we were just trying to hustle and make anything happen for ourselves to now. I just have to say, I'm proud of us, Christy. I know. I know. <laughs> I never pat myself on the back. I doubt you do much. So we know. Right? Yeah, we do. I know it is funny because I hadn't, I met you, well, it was even before then, but I'm thinking of Blonde and Blonder, but it was before then because I remember seeing you at a Halloween party. Mm-hmm. Remember James? Was that James? Remember his Halloween? But I yes. knew you before that too. So yeah, we've known each other a long time. I know we need yeah. cocktails soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to ask your magic question, Nicole? Yes. Mom, we always like to end, end the conversation with uh, some great advice. And what advice would you give your younger self getting into the industry? Oh, man. I know. I saw that. Uh, I, I saw you when you wrote the, some of the questions you might ask. Damn, that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I guess the main thing for me, the advice that I would give to myself is to pick my battles more carefully, or if I'm going to take the battle, then go to the war. (laughs) Cause I felt (laughs) like there was a couple times that I would pick a fight, pick a thing. And even if I was right, I didn't go the full way with it. I didn't have the confidence to take it all the way to the end. So I might've gotten a bad rap here and there from people. Um, and I'm definitely, I've just grown from that. Like, I don't really, I don't really argue as much or voice. I, I, I'm much quieter than I was in my earlier career with, or less opinionated, or I keep my opinions to myself and I'm careful on what I share. So maybe that would be the advice is just to choose, really think about the the arguments that you're going to pick um, because you think you know it all when you're younger, but what you realize when you grow older is that there's so much more to learn. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's true. Sometimes you got to lose the battle to win the war. Yeah. 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 I had one story I'll tell you that was interesting. I was on a movie set. 
I guess it's seven years ago now. Um, and I just learned that I was pregnant and it was for a really big company. And um, I had my medical and I learned that I was pregnant in it. And um, long story short, it was, there was no women on the whole crew at all. So we're out on our tech scout and I'm sitting there and I'm next to um, the production manager and he looks at me and my deal was done and he says, so we got your medical back. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so congratulations. So first of all, he's not even supposed to know. Oh, I'm like, gosh. thank you. And I'm like, I know I'm so excited. Yeah. This is good. Like it's exciting. I'm, I'm excited to be pregnant. My first one was a breeze. This is gonna, this is gonna, so six years ago or whenever it was. And then he says, so about that though, that that's going to be a little overage in our insurance. And I just need to know what you think I should do about that. And wow. I remember Brian Davies sitting across from me, this production designer, and he was like, what is this seriously happening? And I was like, um, what do you mean? Long story short, they took my driver away that was in my contract. So I wasn't allowed to be driven. I wasn't getting driven to and from set anymore. And they made me drive my set so they could get that cost back. And it was a whole thing. And I remember calling my union. And again, it was before the whole women in film being like, am I going to be fired? Like, cause I'm pregnant. Like, and they're like, what? Uh, I don't know. That's like, I don't think so. And it was before we even knew if you could get fired for being pregnant. So they went and looked into it. And they're like, no, I think you're okay. And um, I was like, well, they took my driver away. And they're like, what do you mean they took your driveway? And they said they had to make, they had to make cuts somewhere. So that's where they were. It was either that or they're going to have my first AD drive me back and forth. And he didn't live anywhere near me. So I just remember that. And I remember I started the fight on that but I didn't take it to the end and I should have taken it to the end and I should have freaking called them out because it didn't hinder my job at all. The movie was amazing, yeah. but they were just such freaking jerks that I look back on it. And to this day, I'm like, I, that coordinator, I've never worked with him. And I had one movie and I knew he was on and I turned it down because of him. It's like, no way, I'm I, never going to see that guy. He made my life a living hell. I was fired when I found out I was pregnant. Oh. And then I was fired by my another, my next employer the day I delivered my daughter, I had a voicemail. So, but we're talking about 24, 25 years ago. So this is the thing. Then you could get away with it. Yeah. So, and, you know, I almost want to spin off and ask you another question. We have an actress that's pregnant right now. Yeah. So of course, you know, while she's not showing, we've promoted her, but now she's hit, you know, the five, six month mark and she's got the perfect little bump. You know, I, I want to encourage women, you can have children and still act. There are directors that are willing to work with you as long as you're not in your final trimester and that the timing is appropriate. Have you ever worked with a pregnant woman had to shoot her belly up? Oh, yeah. 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 So Lacey Chabert, I was her request for a Hallmark movie. So mm. I shot the whole movie with her and she, she was six months, so she was pregnant. And it was funny when we went into the post, the network totally forgot that she was pregnant. And they're like, I don't understand why she's carrying stuff and everything in there. Like, why were you making those choices? I'm like, she's pregnant. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Remember? Like, and then I shot Jen Lilly. She was pregnant. Uh, and a movie, I did a movie with her. Jen, and then, then I also did a movie with, um, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, oh, her husband is on a big show up here too. Uh, Oh my God, I can't remember. Leah, 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 Leah. I can't remember. That was a while ago. She was pregnant. And then I shot a movie with Danielle Eccles and she had had her baby like three weeks before. So yeah, I've done a lot of pregnant women, but I think I was also the go-to pregnant one because they're like, she's had a lot of babies. She's, she's directed pregnant. She's had it. So 
No, but I yeah, know. for your actress, I don't, and I always, I would say encourage that actress to even personally, if she has relationships with directors or even knows them, be like, Hey, I'm pregnant, but I just want to let you know, like, if there's any way of the storyline, because I know with someone like me and one of an actor that I knew, I'd be like, Oh, oh my gosh, it's so awesome. Like how often do you keep, cause you have to rent a pregnant belly. Like maybe I'll write them in and they can be this, you know what I mean? It gets, sometimes gets people creatively thinking. No, I love that. And I, I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's really important, again, not just actors to really work on their craft, be, you know, uh, good people on set as well. Women, it's okay. You can have it all. You can have babies. You can be pregnant, still be an actress. I just want to touch up on all the things we just discussed today. Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, oh, thank you. And you're amazing. You're such an inspiration. And it's just nice. Nice. And now we have to catch up in real life. I know. Cocktails. Seriously, it's been way too long. Thank you.